Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, how many of you are excited to be at church this morning? <laughs> oh, brother. Where, where would you guys rather be? I didn't, it wasn't very, uh, very loud. Would you rather be skiing this morning? Is that where you'd rather be? I said, how many of you are excited to be at church this morning? <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm glad to be here too. Not just because they pay me to be here, because I'm genuinely glad to be here. Amen. Okay, well, hey, you know what? We have been in this, uh, this mini-series, as I've called it, during this Advent uh, season, uh, speaking about responding to the birth of Christ. And as we approach this Christmas season, I've been trying to take a, uh, just a new perspective, a fresh perspective for me uh, on uh, the Christmas story. And by focusing on the characters, uh, focusing on what can we learn from the people in the birth of uh, this Jesus' story. So um, I, we, last week we learned about Joseph, okay? And the title of that sermon was Rise and Remain. And how do we respond to devastating circumstances? And we learned that, that everyone sinks. And so uh, when dev- some sort of devastating emotional circumstance uh, hits us, uh, just like a tsunami, uh, 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 we all go under initially. But only Christians, only people with the presence of the living God, Emmanuel, living within them, rise and remain above. How many of you enjoyed that sermon if you were here last week? Hopefully that helped you. I know that it it helped me. Um, So in this week, we're focusing on Mary. And originally, this was a a one-part sermon. I started looking at this, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to split it into two parts. I think you, you will get more. Uh, if I kind of space it out a little bit. So we're going to do part one this week and part two next week. And the title of my sermon is this. uh, And this is the part that I I hope you'd never forget. Okay, Not not just this month, but your your whole life. I know that's a long time. But let this sink into you. Uh, If we will, then God can. If we will, then God can. And so in your, if you have a, a, a bulletin today on the back side, you're going to find some sermon notes for you to follow along. And I'll do my best to help you fill in those blanks as we go. Um, if you're here today and you need a Bible, maybe you don't uh, have one of your own. We have uh, several, and you can just take one of ours and consider it a gift. Uh, just kind of raise your hand up, and one of our ushers or elders will bring you one. Uh, thank you so much, elders, for helping me with that. So here we are. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, at verse 26. So why don't you flip there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, that's in the Old, uh, excuse me, in the New Testament, and that's our third book of the Bible there, in the New Testament. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26, while you're turning there, let me tell you a, a couple stories, and I'm going to illustrate them up here. Uh, so I have a friend, and you know, since she was a, a, a very little girl, all she wanted to be was a mom. Uh, a wife and, and a mother. I mean, the husband, that was important to, <laughs> to her. As she was telling me the story, she really focused on the, the fact that she wanted to be a mom, okay? And, you know, she just, I mean, she was like any other girl, little girl growing up with the baby dolls and, the, you know, the, the, all the nursery stuff and pretending. And, and as she got into her teenage years, uh, she met a guy. 
and she was 16 when they started dating, and they, they, they hit it right off, and they, they, they loved each other. They were teenagers, but they loved each other, and they dated on and off for uh, about eight years, you know, and, and when they got into uh, their mid-20s, she was like 23, 24, she was telling me, is that they kind of hit a rocky point, and they kind of split up for a second, and in, in that moment, she sensed like her, her opportunity to be married was going to pass her by. That's what she thought. Naturally, she thought that. She had finished up her college and she was entering into her career and she thought, now it's time to start a family. And, and, and yet, you know, she's, uh, she thought, should I marry this guy? Should I pick this up? Should I try to, try to make this work? And all of her plans, everything that she dreamt about as a little girl and into her teenage years and how she thought she was going to marry this guy just seemed to be crumbled. All of her plans crumbled, laying at her feet. And, and she started praying about it. And she thought, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as she did, she felt like the Lord was saying to let this, this man go, let this young man move on. And that was hard because on one hand, she's got all of her plans and all of her dreams laying dead, crumbled, just at her feet. And she, she, naturally, she feels like I'm, if I don't get married now, I might not get married for a long time. Um, and on the other hand, she senses that the Lord wants to do more with her life and, and, and has someone else for her. So what should she do? Should she force her dreams, her plans, and, and put back the crumbled pieces of, a, of the life she thought was possible? Or she, should she trust God to do the impossible in her life? Well, here's what this looks like. And you're going to see me refer to this a couple times. Put my markers out here. So when we, as we grow up especially, but at certain times in our life, we get these plans. And our plans, the best that we think is possible for our life looks like this. We, we, and, and like any uh, architect, we, we build uh, our, our lives, we, we design our lives with the best materials, best things that are uh, available to us at the time. We put together our plans, um, and we even commit them to the Lord and say, Lord, bless this work and help me as I, as I move forward with being a, a wife and a mother, okay? Help me, Lord, you know? And yet, there are times where that all comes crumbling down. And in that moment, when we're on the other side of, say, the death of a dream, we have a choice. We can either go back, we can force it, we can go back and at the rubble of our plans, kind of force it and try to piece together back uh, the plans and our hopes and the things we thought were possible. Or, we can move forward and let God do something impossible with our life. Something that we would never have thought of. Something that it's not even on our radar. And that was true of my friend. My friend was staring at that choice. And she decided to let God build her life. And she let that gentleman go. She went through that awkward stage. I'll just be straight with you. There's that awkward stage where you're in this plateau here 
and you're just starting to climb up that impossible thing that God has for you, and you're, it's awful tempting to come back because this is hard. If you've ever climbed a mountain, if you've ever tried to do something that's impossible, it is hard, especially at first. And it was hard for her. But eventually, the Lord brought her another man. Wonderful, hardworking guy. He's a really, really good guy. They've got married. They have four beautiful children. And they're doing really, really well. It was a few years later after that, through Facebook or just through the word of mouth of a friend, that she found out that the man that she dated for eight years was unable to have kids. And it was in that moment... I mean, she felt sad for him and at the same time was like, thank you, God. I didn't see that. I didn't know that at the time. But thank you for speaking in my heart and giving me the good sense enough to listen and follow because what did she want to be more than anything? A mom. And that would have never happened, not a, with her blood children at least. And so that's my friend's story. What about me? I can totally relate to that. Not in the exact same way, but I can relate to the death of a dream. Um, I, as over time, I've shared a little bits and pieces of how I arrived here in Colorado and, and how uh, the summer of 2016, man, my, all my dreams were dead. I remember even just sharing that with a friend, uh, friends just playing cards and they were talking about stuff. And, and I just shared that. It's like, all my dreams are dead. Everything I thought, everything I thought was possible in my life is done. That five-year vision plan I had for my life, every plan I've ever made, it is done. I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to go. And yet, I sense the Lord telling me that he's got something better for me. And, and so instead of forcing my plans and forcing my family into a, a, a place, into a, a career path that, that probably would have led to a lot of strife and a lot of stress and a lot of debt, I said, nope, I'm going to let the Lord build my life. As hard as that may be, as hard as it may be, and if you've ever had a dream die, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's extremely um, discouraging. And yet the Lord, as I started moving up this impossible path, okay, like when this church called me in March, and I was set to, I had another plan. I'm a planner. Anybody who works with me, <laughs> Greg's smiling, he knows. I'm a plan. I'm a planning guy. Um, I, I'd rather have a plan than no plan. So we, we make plans. And so I had a backup plan. I was enrolled in the doctoral program at Michigan State University. And I was supposed to be there right now. And in March, you guys called. And, and I was like, okay, well, I'll push both plans forward. Because going to Colorado is impossible. It's impossible. I would need so many things to fall in line. I would need my wife to have peace about it. I would need to have a second job. I would need to have a house and all these moving expenses and all these things. And you know what happened? As I trusted God to do the impossible with my life, you know what fell into place? Every single detail. The moment I had applied and finished applied. The, the day I heard from Co the state of Colorado that I was a teacher, that I could teach here, that day I applied for the job, and two days later I had a job. They called me the same day. We want to interview you. The moment we got talking and came in to visit, my wife had peace. 
I had peace. Things came together. And so what I'm trying to say here is this, is you, I, we as a church, we got plans and what we think is possible, it's like this big. And if we want God to do something amazing in our life, then we better pre- be prepared for it to all fall apart. All of our, everything we f- think is possible, it's going to turn to rubble. Because as I'll show you in a few minutes, there's always tears before cheers. And God, when He does the impossible in our life, He does it for His glory. And when we get on the other end of it, when we're up here, we look back and we think, I could have never done that. I could have never made that happen in my own strength. God, thank you so much. I'm so thankful I didn't go back and try to force what I what I, what I had planned. How many of you can relate to me this morning? Open up your Bible. Let me show you how this is true. Because believe it or not, this isn't something I just made up. This is something that, that came to me as I was studying out the Christmas story. Uh, because Mary, the mother of Jesus, had this exact same situation occur. And so we're going to learn this week and next how to respond when God decides to do the impossible in our lives. So let's read together. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Another translation says, she was greatly troubled. We'll come back to that in a moment. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Pray with me today. Lord, we just come before you again today. And I just thank you, God, that your word never, ever returns void. It always goes forth and accomplishes what it was purposed to do. And so I pray, God, today that you would just give me a clear mind and, a, and, and the right words to speak. And Give everyone listening open hearts to receive. and May we leave here changed, God. We know your word is the catalyst for changing our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So look again with me here. We see in verse 26 and 27, it's, let me paraphrase, it says, Gabriel was sent from God to Mary. Now at the end of verse 27, we find Mary planning her wedding, just kind of looking between the lines here. And I'm, I just imagine her, and her bridesmaids had just left. 
and all across the coffee table and probably all around the living room. You know women when they get in wedding planning, everything's just everywhere. They got the napkins and like 10 different kinds to decide and they've got the, the plates and the catering options and she's got it all over. What color scheme should we go with? What's hot this year? You know, she's trying to figure out how to plan her wedding and so I can just imagine her just kind of sitting back in all of her wedding planning glory, sipping some herbal tea, and just kind of taking it all in, okay? There's a glow about her, but that glow was not from her. It was because an angel appeared. An angel appeared and says, rejoice, favored woman. And with those words, Mary's life, everything she thought was possible, crumbled. Crumbled at her feet. Everything she thought was possible, just lay at her feet. Look at verse 29 again. She says, but when she saw him, one translation says, she was greatly troubled. Now, I started studying out that greatly troubled uh, phrase. And what that refers to is she was shaken to the core, like to the very bottom line of her existence. Mary was so greatly disturbed by that. I I, I want you to picture it um, like a very calm pool. Okay, so before the, the angel appears, her, her life is very calm, very peaceful, like glass on a lake. And when he appears, it's like he took a meteor and just threw it in the water and shake it up. Just totally disturb her emotionally, uh, mentally. Uh, just totally kind of rocked her world there. And so she stood there on one hand, with the, seeing a majestic angel, Out of one eye, she sees the majestic angel, and on the other eye, her crumbled plans. She's got her plans laid out all in front of her on the coffee table. I see just one eye filled with wonder and another eye just streaming tears because she knows what this means. She knows what this means. You are going to become pregnant, but it's not going to be by your husband, and you're not even going to be married yet. Do you know what that means for a woman in that day? In any day. But in her day, that was like a living death sentence. That was a living death sentence for her because it probably meant that, that Joseph wasn't going to marry her. It probably meant her parents would disown her. I can't remember if I brought that up last week, but have you ever noticed in, in scriptures that outside of the genealogies, Mary and Joseph's mom and dad are never mentioned? I mean, how many of you are grandparents here? Grandparents. Okay, was your first grandson or daughter a big deal? A really big deal, right? You were around all the time, visiting. If you live far away, you'd fly in, you'd do what you had to do to see those grandkids. And yet, I don't read anything about Mary and Joseph's parents coming to visit. I don't read about them at the cross. I don't read about them anywhere. And so who knows? Maybe they had to kind of go uh, this road alone. But Here's Mary, and everything she thought uh, was possible is dead. All her dreams are dead. I can just see her. She was thinking. Before the angel showed up, she was planning on having the same life that every natural bride-to-be thinks about. I mean, she thought about, uh, I'm going to have a good husband, faithful, hardworking man, handsome, good guy. Uh, I'm going to have beautiful children, a spacious house with a yard. 
I'm going to live by, have a good school and go to a good church. And I, I, there's going to be a park nearby. And I, I'm just going to sit on my porch and chit-chat with my friends. And we're going to have book club. Women are way into book clubs. I don't know many bros that like book clubs. <laughs> but women love book clubs. And they, she's got this book club thing planned already. You know what I'm talking about, Carrie? All right. Are you a book club lady? I see, I told you. I told you. Women want to sit around and just talk, feeling stuff. Guys are like, let's watch the game, don't speak to me kind of thing. But she just imagined holidays with the family and all of these wonderful things. It was a beautiful life, a life that anybody would be really proud to have. But God wanted to build something even greater. God wanted to do something really special in Mary's life. Something that no one else had ever had before. But to build that life, he'd have to start from scratch. He'd have to start from scratch. See, this is our first insight, and this is on your bulletin notes there. Demolition precedes construction when God chooses to do the impossible in our lives. There are always tears before cheers. See, before God can do the impossible in our life, he tears down what we think is possible first. So I, I personally think so that we can't take a lot of credit for it. There's enough people walking around declaring themselves to be self-made men and women. In fact, Mr. Young was telling me that in Parker, there is a statue of the self-made man. Is that correct, sir? The self-made man. And I'm telling you, in God's economy, there is not such a thing. If you think so, you are fooling yourself. So he tears down what we think is possible first. And the death of our dreams, the death of our hopes, the death of our goals is very hard. And yet A.W. Tozer reminds us by saying it is doubtful. It is doubtful that God can bless anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I think there's a lot of truth in that. You need to write that down. Let me say that to you again because that's going to come be useful. It is doubtful that God can bless anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And I think this, personally, I think this is the reason why many followers of Christ follow Christ at a distance because they know this. They know that, that when God wants to do something great in their lives, he's going to come and rearrange their stuff. He's going to come move their cheese, Right? And they don't want that because they've worked too hard and too long to build up that. And they don't realize that compared to all the good things that God wants to do in their lives, this is a molehill. It's a molehill. God wants to do so much more in our lives. Our lives are never more rich, never more full, never more meaningful, never more impactful, and never more memorable then when God is the one building our lives. Can you say amen to that? Psalm 127, one reminds us of this saying, unless God builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Jeremiah 29.11 says, for I know the plans I have for you and they're not your plans. Look at somebody and tell them God's got plans for you. Tell them that. Tell them. But they're not your plans. Can you get your waggy finger out on them? Look at somebody. Get their, your waggy finger out. Tell them, I want to see those fingers. You guys think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Wag at them. Yeah, they're not your plans. 
but they're better. God's plans are always better. How many of you can testify to that? God's plans are always better. In fact, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, he says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I love the amplified version of that because he says, above your highest prayer, your grandest hope, everything you think is possible, God can do way, way beyond that. And see, Mary's life illustrates this ex- this ex- all these scriptures, this exact thing, that God desires to build for us a better life than we could build for ourselves. And so out of the ruins of wedded bliss, the angel shares God's incredible plan for her life. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the natural versus supernatural responses to that. But right now, I want you to focus on this, this first part. How many of you want God to build you an impossible life? How many of you want that abundance life? Or would you rather have your plans? Would you rather have this, the molehill, instead of this mountain of abundance that God has? And if, that's, if your answer is yes, I want you to know right now, there will be tears before cheers. There's going to be some things crumble around you. To help you with this, to help you as you reflect on this, I want to uh, ask you a question here. I, in your bulletin notes, you'll find this question. You'll also find a, a potential prayer and some useful scriptures that I use to write that prayer. Um, but the question is this, and I'm going to have you do a think and pair and share. Okay, so how this works is first you've got to think. What do you think about? I want you to think about this, and they'll, they'll show it to you here in just a second. I want you to uh, think, when have you welcomed God's will in your life, even though it wasn't quite what you hoped for? wasn't quite what you hoped for, but you knew God was in it. You knew God was leading you that way. Are you still glad you made that choice? Why or why not? And so I want you to think about that for a second. And I want you to pair up with somebody so you can stand up on your feet. We're going to give you three, three minutes to do this. Stand up on your feet. And I want you to pair with somebody and share your story. If you don't have a story, then be a good listener. Find someone to share that with. I'll give you three minutes and then we'll wrap up this morning's uh, service. Guys, a story. Do you have a story? Thank you.
facilities director. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's wrap up our conversations here and have a seat. I got a couple testimonies for you. The, the, I got some 30-second testimonies. I love doing uh, the think, pair, and shares. Uh, it's just good to not only stretch, get the blood going again, but also uh, hear some relevant stories. Um, Kelly and John Brunker, uh, elders at our church, okay? And so I just wanted, I was listening to their stories, and so I'm going to have them just share a quick testimony. Kelly's got a baby sleeping in her lap, so I'm not going to have her uh, stand. Well, I was just telling Pastor Mike that last year in the beginning of 2016, we went through a miscarriage. And of course, we were devastated and upset. Um, there were complications. Long story short, I had to go in every week for blood draws. And um, of course, the phlebotomists are like, oh, are you pregnant? And I'd be like, no, every week for months. Um, but through it all, God's healing came through. Um, he definitely brought us together closer as a family. And then, of course, we had Jack this year. And, um, you know, children are truly a blessing from the Lord. And we're just so grateful for God and his goodness. And we don't always understand what he's doing, but we still trust in him. And we're just thankful for that. Amen. 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 All right, so my story is, when I was in Bible school, I started dating this gal, and goodness, we'd... Not Kelly, though. Not Kelly, not Kelly. Okay, just to okay, be back sure up. about that. So it was another person, and uh, I, I had decided, and I was, I'm like, I was talking to my folks, I'm like, she's the one, and went to go buy a ring for her and stuff, and my mom's like, wait, 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 you know, I don't think this is quite right and stuff, and so I was like, oh, man, and it was hard. I mean, I'd known the girl probably like three or four years, and... And stuff, so I just, I said, okay, I'm going to trust God on this. So I ended that relationship, and um, I signed up for eHarmony, of all things. And um, I met Kelly on eHarmony, and I tell you what, the, down to every last detail of this lady is what my heart wanted. And God, like, paired me with the perfect person. I, the, the love and just the friendship, and we laugh a lot, and just the good time we have. So, yes, at the time, my world had, like, fallen apart because this other lady was in Oklahoma and gone and all this stuff, and, but at the same time, God opened up this other door, and within a, a year or two after I met Kelly, we were married and stuff, so it was just a great experience, but that's my, my story. <laughs> I was joking with John. I said, does, uh, does Kelly feel like like this was a good, good deal. Like this was an answer to prayer on her end because, uh, yeah. And she said, "Yes, it does. Yes, it does." Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Thank you guys for sharing those stories. I love stories of hope and stories that fit. As I was thinking about this sermon, I just thought, Lord, help me bring hope to people this this month, especially this month. Um, so where we what we came from before our, our think pair share was. We just talked about how we, we build up what we think is possible for our lives. And, and especially when we ask, God, do something great in me. Do something great with my life. He responds to that by tearing down everything we think is possible first. There's always tears before cheers. And then we're presented with a choice. We can either fit it all back together on our own, or we can move forward and let God do something impossible with us. Something that in the end we'll look back and say, there is just no way I could have ever done that on my own. God, you receive all the glory and thank you so much for what you've done in my life. And so that's where we leave off. Uh, we're left off and here we are. 
we're coming to this uh, kind of wrapping up. And I know that there are people listening either today or on the podcast or somebody will read these bulletin notes or something and they will think, you know what, God, God can't do the impossible in my life because I'm just not qualified. Uh, Pastor Mike, I, you don't know me. I just don't, I just don't have what it takes to do this. I don't have what it takes. This is, this is all that I have within me. And I just want you to know that no matter how normal or messed up or whatever uh, you think you are, God can and will use you in impossible ways. See, there's, if there's anything that I have come to learn personally in, in studying out for this sermon, this is the one thing I, I don't want you to ever, ever forget. Okay, remember this. This is insight number two. If God asks us to do the impossible, then we are qualified. And if we are willing to do it, then God can provide us with everything we need to do it. See, if we will, then God can. It's not a matter of whether or not God can do it or not, because God, just like the angel said, look in verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything. It's just, are we willing to give it a try? And so coming back to this idea of, of am I qualified, and then we'll, we'll swing back around to the fact that God can do anything. I, from reading scriptures, I don't think that Mary and Joseph realized that they were the only ones at the time qualified to be the Messiah's parents. I want to show you how this is true before we wrap up. I'm going to erase this for just a second. If you have a blank piece of paper or anywhere you can scratch uh, some notes down, this might be helpful to do that, okay? Take a look. There's a little detail in verse 27. Look at this. Uh, Angel was sent to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. What does it say right after that? A descendant of King David. Do you know what that means? That Joseph was in the kingly line. In fact, uh, excuse me, uh, Joseph came, if here's David at the top, and he had, he had many sons, but he had a son, Solomon, who was the king after him. And down through the line, we find, guess who? Joseph. Joseph, if you look in the genealogy, that is a hard word to say. Got to lean into the vowels. Genealogical records, into his genealogy, there you go. You, can, you will see that Solomon was a direct descendant, or excuse me, Joseph was a direct descendant of, of Solomon. And God promised David, here's promise number one, and I'm going to put a little arrow here. God's promise... Number one, David, through Solomon, you will always have someone sit on the throne. In fact, he will sit on the throne forever. That was promise number one. Well, Solomon's kids, they turned wicked, hardcore wicked, to the point where God had to, like, pretty much wipe out and exile the country, okay? And he made a promise down here to this one of Solomon's uh, ancestors, Coniah, and this is God's promise number two. 
Let me give you some scriptures on these real quick. God's promise number one, 2 Samuel 7, 13. And God's promise number two is Jeremiah 22, I believe, verses 24 through 30. You can check this out later. God made a promise to Coniah and said, because you are so wicked, no child of yours is going to sit on the throne. Okay? So at first glance, it seems that promise number two negates promise number one. And yet we read in Scripture, Psalm 1830 tells us that all God's promises are true. And Numbers 2319 tells us that God does not lie. So how could God fulfill both promises, promise number one and number two, without negating himself? The answer is found in Mary's genealogy, and that's in Luke chapter 3, okay? And the details, let me share with you right now. See, Mary was also a descendant, a direct descendant of David, but not through Solomon, through David's son, Nathan. We don't read a lot about Nathan, but down here, and this is, uh, her record is in Luke chapter 3, so you can check that out. Down here we see Mary's dad, Heli, Heli, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, I'm not Jewish, um, but Heli, I'll call him Heli, and in her record, you will see Joseph listed again, but the reason Joseph is listed is because it wasn't, uh, it's not typical that they included women in the genealogies. So it was um, Joseph listed as Healy's son-in-law in Mary's place. So, but here we find Mary, a blood descendant of David through Nathan. And she has a, a blood son named Jesus. Are you hanging with me so far? Okay, it's kind of technical, but it's going to blow your mind. Literally, like stuff's going to ooze out of your ears. Okay, so, she has a blood son, Jesus, who is also a direct blood descendant of David. Now, how could God's, both of these promises be true? Here's how. This is why I, I, I kind of wonder why God waited so long for the Messiah to come. He had to allow these, this situation to uh, flesh out here. So, Joseph could not have a blood son sit on the throne. But he could have an adopted son sit on the throne. Je Joseph adopted Jesus as his own son. My wife brought up to me last night and said, did you know that Jesus was adopted? And I thought, yeah, I knew that, but it never dawned on me that Jesus was adopted. So for all people out there who, who uh, are, you know, struggle with the fact that you know, they just don't know their parents or they're adopted for some way or another. Jesus himself, the son of God, was adopted by Joseph. So, Joseph could not have a blood son, but he could have a, a, an adopted son sit on the throne. So this fulfills God's promise number one without negating God's promise number two. So if... if um, there was going to be a king in Israel at that time. It literally would have been Jesus. And so when the wise men come to Herod and say, a king of the Jews has been born, they are not speaking metaphorically. They are speaking literally that if there had been a king at that time, it legally 
would have been Jesus. He was literally the king of the Jews. Look at what the angel says. The Lord God will give him the what? Look at verse, uh, what is that? 32. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will not end. So when we talk about King Jesus, we are literally speaking about a literal king. And he is the king. Didn't we just sing a song about that this morning? The king forever, right? That is, that is awesome. Is anybody's mind blown this morning? Mine just like exploded. It was awesome. Okay, so Mary and Joseph were the only ones qualified to become uh, the Messiah's parents. But what's more important than their qualifications was that they were willing to fulfill the role, okay? It's because they would, God could, and he did. God gave them everything they needed to be Jesus' parents, and he answered every single uncertainty with the blessing of his presence, protection, and provision. And so when you're marching up that hill, that other part, this part here, and you're going to face uncertainties. You're going to face all sorts of issues that are going to make you want to turn back. And I'm sure Joseph and Mary felt that too at times. But you have to know that if you are willing to march up that hill, if you are willing, like Joseph and, Joseph and Mary, to let God do the impossible in your life, then he will provide everything that you need. He will do it. And so it's not so much a question of can God do this as much as are we willing? Are we willing to give it a go? You know, sometimes God doesn't build our lives, a lot of times actually, God doesn't build our lives like we would have built them. How many of you can testify to that? God doesn't build your life, our lives like we would have built them because he wants to build something more, something better. Something that we think is impossible to show just how great he is and just how much he loves us. Did you know that? God loves you and I so much. And when we get to the top of this, God gets all the glory. And we look back and we're like, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't marry that person. Or thank you, Lord, that I didn't force my family to go somewhere that we knew you weren't asking us to go, to do something we knew we shouldn't do. Thank you, God, for keeping me from forcing together the plans of my life. My friend was an example of that. I shared with you her story at the beginning and just how she looks back and thinks, thank you, God, for keeping me from going that route. John is another person in that. Myself. How many of you have a story like that where you look back and just say, God, Thank you for keeping me from that. Would you pray with me this morning? Stand with me, if you will. As we wrap up today. Lord, I just come before you as we dismiss this morning. Lord, I'm not sure where people are at. Maybe they're on the looking at and forming their plans of what they think is possible. Or maybe they're on the other side of that and they're looking at the rubble that, that was the life they'd hoped for, God, like, like Mary was. But I pray right now 
in Jesus' name, that you would speak to every heart, for you know exactly where we are. And I pray over each person and over this church, God, that you would do the impossible. Lord, we've got our plans, we've got things we've hoped for, and yet, Lord, we just invite your presence into our lives. We just invite your presence into our lives and ask you to do something with us that that we can't do with ourselves, God. Something that we will look back in a few years and go, that was impossible. I have no idea how that came together. For your glory, for your glory, God, do these, we pray. Now I just pray a blessing on every person that is here today. I pray bless their home, bless their marriage, bless their relationships, bless their work. God, go before them this week and lead each one of them in victory, God. Lead them in victory. Comfort their hearts. Help them overcome, Lord, through the the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Would you shake a few hands on your way out this morning? Thank you so much for coming. I'll remain, uh, actually, Greg, would you remain at the front just for a couple minutes in case people have any prayer requests? I want to stand by the door and greet people as they go. Thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.